Welcome to Montrose Podcast, the official podcast of Montrose School here in Medfield, Massachusetts, where girls are called to greatness. I'm your host, Mary Cahill Farella, and I'm very happy that you can join us. Maybe you're an avid supporter of Montrose, a current parent, or a friend of the school. Or maybe you're new to Montrose, an independent school for girls in grades 6 through 12, inspired by the teachings of the Catholic Church. Here, young women achieve academic excellence in a rich liberal arts environment by developing enduring habits of mind, heart, and character. Thanks for joining us as we explore topics that highlight the power of a Montrose education and how it affects the world around us. You may have heard our nationally renowned guest for this episode, Dr. Carrie Cronin, on NPR, or quoted in the recent Wall Street Journal article entitled, Dating 101 for the Romantically Challenged Gen Z. That's because when people want to know what the social culture on college campuses looks like today, they turn to Dr. Cronin. Known as the dating professor at Boston College, Dr. Cronin recently visited Montrose to talk about friendship, relationships, the current hookup culture on college campuses, and her new film, The Dating Project. Carrie Cronin, welcome to Montrose Podcast. (laughs) This is so exciting. Uh, It was a pleasure to hear you talk to the ninth and 10th graders about ostensibly your dating project, but really about friendship. Mm. And drawing all the way back to Aristotle and the different types of friendship and encouraging them, challenging them to Mm -hmm. see what are the friendships in your life? How would you categorize them now? And realize that what you're building here are your building blocks for your life's friendship. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, So can you tell our podcast listeners a little bit more about Aristotle's types of friendship? Sure. And where we're encouraging and challenging these young women to go. Terrific. Great. Hi, podcast audience. This is so exciting. <laughs> Woo-hoo. Woo-hoo. Um, it's, it was so fun to be with the ninth and 10th graders this morning. They were so uh, engaged and really tracking what I was saying. And uh, they had a lot of great things to offer uh, in the discussion. Um, one of the things that I have found when I teach freshmen at Boston College is when we read Aristotle's ethics, I mean, they, you, Aristotle's ethics is fantastic. You find out that he's got this brilliant, beautiful thing to say about friendship that is so, every student responds to it. Everybody goes wild for it because it's so true. And it's something that we sort of don't really think of in our ordinary lives. So he says there are three types of friendship and we have them all well, hopefully we have them all, and a, a, a truly flourishing human life um, will include all three. And they're all good, but one is just substantially better than the others. And so he says, you know, there are friendships of utility and friendships of pleasure, and those are great. So friendships of utility are are, are useful, right? Uh, these are friendships that um, when we have these friendships, it makes life go more smoothly, right? So if we get along with colleagues at work or teammates or bandmates or it just it just makes things go well together right yeah some people talk about this like in the military right it's helpful if we all get along we're all looking at the same goal together and and trying to serve that goal together so so this kind of friendship usefulness is this is kind of the shoulder to shoulder type of friendship we're both we're all looking in the same direction moving together and that's great that's important 
friendships of pleasure are based on, you know, that's a, I'm looking at you, you're looking at me, not shoulder to shoulder, but face to face. But we enjoy the same things. We're laughing at the same things. We're taking joy in the same things. We're, we're, we're really, as I was saying to the students, we enjoy the same goofy things together. And they really responded to that. They Magnet really did. Creators love to be goofy together, right? That, you can, we all remember that when we were young. Like the people who got our stupid sense of humor, you know, you love those people and you feel bonded to those people. But Aristotle says this third type of friendship is, is just, it's just at a different level altogether. And he says, in your whole life, you're, you're lucky if you get maybe only four or five of these in a whole lifetime. Mm. And hopefully your marriage uh, will include this type of friendship, but not all do. Um, these are friends of the good. These are friends who have made themselves to be virtuous and see and encourage the virtue in each other. Um, they see what's best in us, right? And they they cultivate that. They bring that out. They encourage that. They also see the brokenness in us, and they love those parts of us too. And Aristotle actually says, and I didn't get into this with the students. This is a little advanced. Aristotle says, this is what real self-love should be based on. If really good, wonderful people love you, that's a lot of evidence that you're worth loving, that you've made yourself to be a person who's capable of being loved by yes. a good person. If no good person loves you, you probably have some work to do. <laughs> you know, good if point. only vicious people love you, you're going to need to take a look at that. Yeah. So yeah. whom we attract into our lives. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly right. So I think all the self-help books in the world kind of sometimes miss that point, right? The whole, you know, Barnes and Noble self-help section is full of books that tell us we should just love ourselves unconditionally, but actually you shouldn't love yourself. If you're kind of a jerk, yeah, <laughs> you should, be a problem. I mean, you should love yourself because you're a child of God, of course, but you got some work to do to, and you should want to try to make yourself lovable by people who are admirable and noble and good. Well, which is why an environment like the Montrose community, that's right. It's such a crucible. Exactly. For these young women to, that's right. yeah, to know themselves, to be loved, to, to be known, that's right. to be exposed to that kind of environment that says you should expect to be loved and that's you right. should expect to love. And that's right. That's We're actually exactly pretty right. demanding. That's exactly right. And that is one thing that I really admire about Montrose is that Everybody here, every time I come here, and I, I come here a lot, but every time I come here, the women here, uh, young and old, and everybody who's working here, it's so clear that this is, you know, that it's about really loving and supporting each other well. Loving and supporting what's good in ourselves and, and really calling that forth. In holding ourselves to very high standards and saying, we can get there. Yeah. We can really get there. And we're going to help you get there. And that's a beautiful, it's a beautiful vision of education and of personal and intellectual and spiritual flourishing. Yeah. And I've heard that same kind of comparison being made, like you were saying, in our marriages, in our intimate relationships. Right. A couple that my husband and I knew while we were doing marriage prep for mm, the archdiocese mm -hmm. said, you know, our goal is not to be happy. Right. Our goal is to be married well. Yes, 
Absolutely. And unity that's is fantastic. really the goal of that, you know, that's and right. that's what, yeah. what comes out and reminded me of that in your talk. That's um, beautiful. Today is that idea of intimacy right. can only be achieved if you're really both willing to risk that's to right. face each other's fears and love that's each other right. anyway. But that idea to be in a relationship well. Yes. Yeah. Is so yeah. key. That's right. Whatever the relationship may be. That's right. That's right. It's not enough to have friends, right? It's, it's, it's what we're looking for is to, to be a friend who is who, who really can be uh, who can really call forth something wonderful from somebody else, and right. and who can be called out and called forth. Right. Yes. Right. Yes. I agree. Um, tell me what you're going to cover with the 11th and 12th graders ah, when you yeah, talk yeah, with them yeah. today. Yeah. So I wanted to talk to the 9th and 10th graders primarily about friendship as as. You know, my, my notion of it, and as I work with uh, college freshmen at Boston College, I see that you can tell that they are well along on a journey of understanding relationships, right? And I, I say to them, it's important to pay attention to your relationships, not just with your friends, the friends you made in high school, because they all want to talk about their friends in high school and the, the importance of those friendships. But what about what have you been working on? I ask them often, what have you been working on in terms of your friendships with your siblings, your mm. cousins, your parents, right? What, what would those look like if you saw those as friendships you needed to work on? And, and these are all to me, I, I, I want to talk to the ninth and 10th graders about the building blocks of the great European cathedrals, right? Like you have to buttress your uh, your capacity for relationship as you go build firm foundations i know in my life and i was saying to them friendships that i made in junior high and high school are are in large part responsible for who i am today yeah. even the friends i don't necessarily i didn't necessarily keep in touch with right. but sometimes the friends i have kept in touch with from then those, those friendships shaped me for better or worse, right? Right. We can't kid ourselves about what f- relationships do in our lives. Right. The formational nature. They're so formational. Of those family. What you're saying is mm-hmm. it starts in the family. Right. Then, That's right. Exactly. Then we break out and we make our own right. friends. Right. The exactly. people we kind of choose to be right. with instead of maybe stuck with it. Oh, That's know. right. No, that's right. But the formation there, I completely agree with you, whether the relationships whether they're permanent, yep, that's right, and familial or, or, or come and go, right? exactly. They're they're, they're formational. formational, absolutely. And and hey, for those of us who are lucky to have families that could love and support us well, you know, we need to 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 build on that. And and some of us don't have that. weren't lucky enough to have that. And we need to find relationships that can heal those kinds of those broken parts. Right. And and so now what I'm hoping to talk to the 11th and 12th graders about is, well, look, you're well along in in you're not an adolescent anymore. You're 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 on the verge of young adulthood. And what are you taking from your relationships and what are you taking? What are you moving forward in yourself that is ready for friendship and ready for relationship and ready for dating? What are the capacities you've built in yourself? And what are the capacities you still need to build? And 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 I, and I would say that about uh, those of us who are in uh, older <laughs> relationships and the older parts of our lives and in marriage, 
what are the capacities we still need to work on and the capacities we need to circle back and, and bulk up a little bit. We all need to, to expand, right? So relationships, one thing that I'll talk about in, with this group that I didn't really want to harp on too much with the younger set was every relationship expands something in us, right? It, mm-hmm. And does it, so we have to look at ourselves and also wonder, what am I expanding in another person? Am I expanding compassion and patience and goodwill in somebody? And, or am I expanding jealousy and competitiveness or uh, distance? You know, everything expands something in our lives, every relationship that we have. That's what it means to be formational, forming parts of our character. So not only what are my relationships forming in me, but what am I forming for in other people? Right. What I'm, what am I putting out there? Right. Exactly. How am I yeah, contributing? Yeah. 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 Right. Right. And, and that's, we always like to critique other people and what they are, aren't for us, but yes. what are we for other people? And you're going to talk to our parents tonight too, which yeah. is so great. And I was yeah, also reflecting, yeah, during your talk that, you know, we often say we're not here to be our kids friends. That's right. However, that's right. in this definition of friendship yeah. and seeing the whole person and loving the whole person. Right. It really occurs to me that all the virtues that we're striving to cultivate can be applied and should be applied in our familial friendships. Absolutely. Absolutely. Something that I often ask my college students is to think about this, to think about shifting that the the relationship with their parents from you know what's what's great about you know the the, un, the unequal aspects yes, the of dependency, right? The yes. dependency and the you know what you owe to each other as far as care and protection and concern and respect, and to shift to begin to shift to well, who are you? You know, you're my mom, but who are you also? <laughs> you exactly, know? And, your personhood, and, right? Exactly. So I often challenge uh, college students. To go home on break and and ask their parents, who are you? Who are you? What were you like before I came along, yes. right? And what do, what do you want after I move out of your basement, which may not be soon, right? So that I agree with you. I think I don't want parents to feel like, oh, I've got to be friends with my kids because that's not what kids need. But it's what young adults need is to, you know, somebody recently asked me, what what should parents do to help their kids date well? Mm -hmm. And I often say, most parents tell their kids how they met, right? We talk about, oh, my parents met this way. Well, that's terrific. And that's you telling about one success. (laughs) But what about your failures? Right. What about the, the, the dates that were kind of that didn't go well or that the time the person who got away and you just didn't kind of show up for it I wish that people would talk in terms of romance and love about their successes and their failures yeah because you listen to the same voice whether it's the success or the failure the the person who proposes and you know in every fiber of your being Oh no. Right, right. <laughs> nope. Exactly. And like you said, burn the bridge, that's right, over. Right, and that right. is done and it right. clarified everything it for you. It clarifies things and it's and it's helpful and it it's growth. 
And I think, I think a lot of young people think, oh, if I'm not going to be successful at this, I shouldn't try. But if we talked more about the failures being okay, and I lived through it, you know, and I learned from it and I knew myself better after it. They would understand it's a journey and not the destination. And that's right. Yeah. Exactly. Well, we could go on forever yeah, and ever, yeah. but I know we have to share you with others here. And I just really appreciate taking the time out oh, and so what you've done to talk, to talk with so us. It was so fun to talk. Thanks so much. Now let's listen in on part of the talk that Dr. Cronin gave to the ninth and 10th graders. She speaks with them about friendship, starting with Aristotle's definition of its three types and how the friendships they make here at Montrose can be building blocks for the future. To become a person who can be a good friend, you have to figure out what is it that you really desire in friendship? What is it that you really fear? about friendships, about the collapse of friendships, about maybe not being able to be a good friend. What is it, what virtue do you need to work on to be a good friend? What is that virtue? So when I was talking to my students recently, they, my students in my college freshman class just went on this dating assignment that I give, right? So I'm just gonna give you a brief overview. On this dating assignment, my students have two weeks to ask someone out in person. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the first rule of the dating assignment. You have to ask somebody out in person. When I first gave this assignment, it was a mandatory assignment. Now I give it as extra credit because people are so freaked out about it. <laughs> It was a mandatory assignment, but I, but I assigned it the first week during drop ad so that people could say, oh, I don't want to take this class. So immediately, like, five people left the class. <laughs> like, I can't do that. And I said, really, you can't ask somebody out for a cup of coffee to see if you might like them? Nope, I'm out. <laughs> but five more people came in, and I had a full class, and they said, yeah, we're going to do this. And over the weeks of the assignment, they talked about and their desires and they talk to each other about those and I remember after the assignment was done all the students in the class said this it was really great that you made us go on a date that was really good that was that was a, a, a time when I felt really courageous like I felt like wow I did that and I never thought I could do that I put myself out there I took a chance I took a risk and even if it worked out or if it didn't, I, I, I feel courageous now. But all of the students said this. The most fun of the whole assignment was coming back to class after it was due and talking to each other about being afraid. And for the first time saying to somebody, I was nervous, were you nervous? I was a wreck about this. One girl said, I said, how did you ask the, the guy out on the date? She said, I can't even remember the words I said. <laughs> she said, I walked up to him, I was shaking. My palms were sweating. I walked up and she said, and then I said something. <laughs> she said, I have no idea what I said. But he said, yeah, sure. <laughs> and next thing I know, I'm walking out of the cafeteria like, what did I just say? I have to remember what I just said. 
to experience courage and fear together was a really great moment in that class and it forged the beginnings of friendship. When we do things courageously together, that can sometimes be some of those building blocks. If we think back to the cathedrals, what are the building blocks of friendship that create the friendships here that are going to be the building blocks in your life to make something beautiful out of your life? to find those moments together here at Montrose. Because Montrose is the kind of a place, and not all schools are like this, don't kid yourself. Montrose is the kind of a place that's asking you to try to find something together that's worth seeking. Aristotle says, he spends a lot of time in a book, in this book where he writes on friendship, writing about courage. And he says, you know what? Let me tell you what courage is not. It's not recklessness. It's not doing something stupid and saying, oh, I took a chance, I just did something stupid. It's not bravado, it's not saying, I'm not scared of anything. That's not real courage. Real courage is finding something that's worth pursuing and knowing what's really worth fearing. That's what real courage is. Knowing what's worth fearing, like damage to your soul, and knowing what's worth pursuing, real friendship, the highest form of friendship. What's worth pursuing is finding someone who can see who you are, who can see the beauty in you, and, and pursuing that. Not only pursuing that person, but pursuing what that person sees in you. That's crucial. That's a building block that you can use. Pope Francis says, to really love another person, you have to wake up. You have to wake up to that person. You have to wake yourself up with a little tenacity. Wake yourself up to the joy and the beauty of another person even if they've got it closed in a little bit. Wake yourself up, and here's what I wish for you. Whether you are a freshman or a sophomore, try to find in your life, in the next couple of years, one or two friends of the good. You're gonna have tons of friends of convenience, lots of friends of utility, lots of friends of pleasure, and those are great. Aristotle says those are great. If they are directed in the right way, they are great. You should have them. But my wish for you is that by the time you graduate from Montrose, that you have found at least one friend of the good. Someone who listens to you. Someone who has patience with you. Someone who, who's tenacious about loving you. Someone who sees what is good in you and brings it out more, and cultivates what's excellent about you, and who sees what's broken and painful in you, and loves you right through that. I wish that for you. So get to it. Goodbye. Thank you.
Dr. Cronin also talked with Montrose's parents after a screening of the film, The Dating Project. This event was co-sponsored by Montrose's Life Compass Institute and the Elizabeth Schickel Foundation. The Dating Project is a documentary about real people seeking meaningful relationships in a virtual world. It features Dr. Cronin and includes some of her students from Boston College. Here are takeaways from the question and answer session that followed. When I'm asking students to do this, I'm saying, what I find is that mostly the dating assignment is not about, it ends up not being about soulmates, although I have gone to a wedding from this, but, but it's mostly about social courage. And I think women and men need to engage in that. And I think it's part of paying attention to what in the end are, do we really desire and fear, right? And, and we all need to ask ourselves that question. I was talking to the juniors and seniors uh, here at Montrose this afternoon, and I, 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 I prepared them for this. I said, here's something that I heard, um, that I heard on a podcast uh, with a woman named Lisa Wade, who wrote a book last year, uh, the book came out, called American Hookup. And she's got some pretty good research in there. She's from Occidental College. And she said, this is how I can sort of sum it up, sum up hookup culture and why it's, why it's perpetuated. And she said, it was a quote from a, from a college student, a young woman in her study. She's, she interviewed thousands of people. And this young woman said the following. And I think I'm getting it verbatim. She said, well, I guess it feels pretty bad to think that somebody has used you. But in the end, it feels worse to feel like nobody wants to use you. Generally, what we're seeing uh, in, in American culture anyway is extended adolescence, uh, longer periods of time before we're starting to see milestones like marriage and family. Um, and that's that's sort of across the board. Um, but, oh, and there's a lot to say about pushback, right? I, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot being written in sociology of uh, pushing back on this, right? The, oh, you know, the, this is, uh, this is uh, moral panic about hookup culture and people aren't having sex earlier or participating in hookup culture uh, any more than they did 10 or 20 years ago. I, I often wonder, like, well, is 10 or 20 years ago what we're really measuring things against? <laughs> and, and I also, you know, I, I, I think two things about that. First, I think, you know, on the one hand, I'm not, I'm not panicked about it, and I'm not, I'm not trying to get rid of hookup culture. I, I, I'd be, I don't know how I would fall asleep at night if I was worrying about ending hookup culture. <laughs> But I want to give my students and, and the young adults that I care about who are single an alternative. Please visit MontroseSchool.org and click on Montrose Podcast at the top to find links to Dr. Cronin's film, The Dating Project, as well as to her recent work. I'm your host, Mary Cahill Farola, and I'm glad you could join us for this episode of Montrose Podcast, featuring Boston College professor Dr. Carrie Cronin. That's it for this episode of Montrose Podcast. 
Please subscribe and listen to our other episodes to hear more about what contributes to our students' high academic achievement and, just as importantly, their character development. You'll hear from teachers, alumni, and outside experts on topics like design thinking, why math matters, and habits of mind. Learn about the ambition of the Montrose mission, the relevance of the conversations started here, and how our students leave Montrose prepared for the challenges and opportunities that lie ahead. Thanks for listening, and let's keep the conversation going. Thank you.